Welcome to Save Six Figures with Gina Knox, the podcast where I coach you on how to save $100,000 by optimizing your cash flow. All right. Welcome, Twyla, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. This is going to be amazing. So let's start with, um, I'll let you introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Like any introductions that you want to make? Yeah, I'm Twyla Dill. My business is Twyla Dill as well. I make crocheted lace and metal jewelry. So it's a combination of metalwork that I do and then lace that I crochet with a 0.55 millimeter crochet hook. And I do some where there's actual fiber on the pieces. And increasingly, I'm making cast lace pieces where I crochet my lace, make a mold, and then cast it into solid metal. Cool. So your jeweler, how long have you been doing that? Almost eight years. It'll be eight years in January. Wow. And what were you doing before that? Before that, I was all over. I was traveling. I was teaching dance. I worked at a restaurant. Um, I actually grew up as a dance teacher. My parents were both dance teachers and I taught dance from 13 to 19 with my dad. Um, But I lived in Istanbul, Turkey for a year before I moved back to the States and my friend's mom taught me how to crochet lace when I lived there. And it kind of changed the trajectory of what I was doing. I thought maybe I'd be a linguist or something in that realm. And uh, here I am making crocheted lace jewelry. How fun. It's like the smallest things can really change the course of our lives. (laughs) You never know. You really, and I like to think about that sometimes. It's like so expansive to think you just never know what could change your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we started working together, I think in May or April of 2022. Um, and you're obviously in the hundred K club now, which is super (laughs) exciting, but I want to take it back before then. And I'd love to hear from you. What, like, what's your money history? What's your money story? What did you grow up with being taught about money? How has that changed over time? What's yeah, money story? I, I definitely have a few things from growing up and it's really interesting to notice how my money story is different than my sister's because we had the quote unquote same upbringing yet very different mo- ways that we approach money. Um, I grew up with some money scarcity. My parents both ran a big dance business and it kind of, um, my mom got sick. She had MS when I was very little. And it fell apart when I was young. And so financially, um, it was more of a struggle more of the time. And I was always provided for, but um, there was a scarce feeling for sure. And we didn't have a lot of dialogue about um, saving for the future, about planning money, about... um, those kinds of things. There was definitely dialogue around money, but it was more around needing to make money, maybe the scarcity of money and like the hustle to make that happen all the time and the need to work for it. Um, And I definitely noticed that in myself now of like feeling like my exact hours and the amount, the how hard I work corresponds to how much money that I will make. Um, which I'm unlearning now, but definitely have felt that in the past. Um, And I notice it in little ways in my life. I, now that I make good money, 
um, am very free spending it. And I think that's comes from like the feeling of having money now and wanting to spend it and wanting that kind of flow to come in and go out. Um, but yeah, I even, I notice it in buying food. That's a big one for me. I buy so much food. I shop for like a family of five and I am one person and I love it, but I have noticed, I'm like, I wonder if this is from the scarcity thing growing up. Now I can buy as much food as I want. And so I do. That's really interesting. You mentioned too, that you and your sister grew up with the quote unquote, same upbringing, but have very different experiences now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Her, um, more recent money experience has been a lot more, um, scarce than mine. Like she holds it a lot, obviously nothing wrong with either of these things, right? We're both learning. And she has come a long way in letting her money flow a little bit more. Um, but I definitely like, I get money and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I want to spend it. This is so fun. I love spending. I love spending money. Um, and my sister is learning to like that and enjoy that and think that she can do that. But hers was definitely more of a tight hold on uh, money than mine was. So that's interesting. Growing up with maybe not the most money and your reaction to that now is to spend because it's super fun. And your sister's reaction is to save. Yes, absolutely. So that she Uh will never not Uh have. Exactly. I was just going to say what I find really interesting as well is growing up while there was the lack of money, there was not the lack of experiences. Like we traveled in Europe for six months when I was 17 with my dad, we did so many amazing things. And so I was taught like you can do a lot without money. Now what I'm learning is to combine being able to do a lot in your life and being able to do that with money, which is fun. Yeah, that is fun. Yeah. (laughs) What has been, um, this is kind of a little tangent. What has been like your most fun purchase this year? Well, I think it's going to have to be my travels, which is not a singular purchase. Sure. But I have, I'd never been traveling where I wasn't worried about spending money on a hotel, uh, limiting how much I go out to eat, really like thinking about souvenir purchases before I did them. So this was the first time I've traveled and it's just been like, what do you want to do? And I spent probably um, $9,000 in five weeks, which for me was massive and so fun. And it wasn't a problem, right? It was just like, okay, you're going to send that. That's what it is. There's no issue around it. And um, that's a new thing. Very fun. Well, we will talk more about that trip later because there's some more fun, juicy stuff (laughs) about that. I will say when Twyla and I started working together, that was like one of the first things you said was, I want to go and take the whole month of October off. And you ended up taking more. You ended up taking like six weeks. It was like six weeks, but there was one week of work travel in there. Okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm really glad that that came true, but going back to, so you, you were brought up, you decided to start your own business. You've been working at this business for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the money journey within your business over those eight years. Well, I mean, I started this business with just my personal money. I don't remember how much I put into it, but my guess would be probably like five or $6,000 of my personal money in the beginning. Um, 
And in the beginning of my business, I worked at a restaurant for the first two and a half years. So it was just kind of a side thing. Um, but it grew pretty fast and it's really interesting to see the growth when I fully committed to it. Um, my first year in business, I sold like $7,000 of jewelry. My second year in business was, um, 17. My third year was 80. And that third year is when I went full time and I really committed to it. Um, and it was definitely like the hustle mentality. Um, this is a big thing in a lot of small businesses to hustle, hustle, right? You're going to like, and there, uh, there is some hustle in starting a business, right? You do have to put work into it. Um, but I've gotten to the point now after eight years where I want to unlearn the hustle because actually that's not what I want my life to look like. Um, I've worked really hard for really long and sometimes it was hard on my relationship and just like my focus was my business. Um, and that really paid off. I don't remember where I was going with that. What was the question? <laughs> just generally the the money journey of your business. And the like, money. so you mentioned it, like the growth in sales. Yes. Yeah. But what about your mindset as that was, as, as that was happening as well? Yes. So the growth, growth in sales was really exciting. And for years, my mindset, and only recently it's not, is that every year I want my business to grow bigger. And so I was kind of very focused on like, growth year over year, the total revenue number, not necessarily the profit in my business. Um, so my business went from, yeah, that 80,000 to 150 to 200. Then we had the pandemic. It was back down to a hundred and then back up again. Um, and it was only this year that I started to realize it doesn't have to be just about the revenue number like I can have a successful business and not have my revenue be bigger every year. Um, what I want for my business now is to have it support a life that I want to have, have it pay me enough, have it pay my employees enough, have it continue to grow, um, not grow monetarily necessarily, although that would be great, but just to like continue on. Mm -hmm. um, and what I wanted in the past was for that, I was very attached to the sales number um, and it helped me sell. I mean, I'm motivated by money and I'm motivated by the sales number, but I kind of attached my worth to the sales number um, as a person, as a business owner. And it was like, oh, if I'm not growing the business, well, what am I even doing? <laughs> Which is not a very helpful mentality um, <laughs> because my worth is not determined by that. Yeah. Where do you think that came from that idea that, oh, I need to grow every year in order for that to be successful? Um, gosh, I don't know exactly. I definitely, there's talk of that within some business coaching communities. Um, there was a little while where I was in a community where we talked a lot about getting to a million dollar sales number and, um, while I think that can be good and beneficial, I think that that goal is my main pursuit didn't serve me because a million is just a number and it doesn't have anything to do with, are you fulfilled in life? What does your day look like? Is this business serving you? Um, and I definitely over the years have worked for my business instead of having my business work for me. Like I want my business to work 
that's the whole reason I work for myself. It's not the whole reason. I love making jewelry. There are a lot of other reasons. But what do I have if I can't build a life that's like daily what feels good to me? Yeah. I know that you've gone through a lot of decisions this year to reshift your business towards the pursuit of the lifestyle that you want. Can you talk to us about some of the big decisions you made in yeah. order to do that this year? Absolutely. So I was selling at a place called Pike Place Market in Seattle. If you've been here, you've probably been there. It's very touristy. Um, I started selling there five years ago. And it's one of the main things that let me go full time because it was a constant place to be, to sell my work, to gain a new audience. And I made the decision to leave Pike Place Market earlier this year um, because it kind of felt like a grind. It was a setup takedown every day. Um, it was very cold in the winter, right? It was just kind of like having um, a day job and then my business because I was there all the time. I was managing employees there. So I made the decision to leave. Pike Place Market and uh, Labor Day weekend was my last weekend there. Um, and I was really scared in the beginning to leave Pike Place because I had also attached my ability to make the amount of money that I make in my business to Pike Place Market um, because I had proven that in the past, right? I'd been there for five years. Like my thought was that I need this to make this much money. But what I came to realize is that actually Pike Place was holding me back. I had a cap there. I could only make so much money because of the amount of energy it took. And that actually freeing up my space and my time freed up the possibility to make more money and then just to have a lifestyle that was more in line with what I wanted. It can be so hard when you're in that kind of like cycle of like something has been proven to work. And I know I have multiple years of data that show that this revenue stream works and there's not, and it's not ideal for me for whatever reason, for you, it was just a lifestyle choice. It wasn't ideal for your lifestyle, but that it's almost like our brains are like lawyers gathering evidence <laughs> and the evidence is no Pike's place has been proven to work. I and had a lot of the proof. Yes. Yeah. And then on the flip side, right? Like, well, online sales don't make the same amount of money as Pike's Place. Mm -hmm. But I didn't and give them the opportunity to because I didn't put as much energy. Energy. There. Yeah. And but it's this like self-fulfilling prophecy that our brains put us through. Yes. And it can be really hard to make the decision to say, no, yes. I know that the data shows that. And it can gonna, be something else. It's like it can be something else. And in a way, it's a leap of faith. And in a and in a way, it's not. Yeah. Can you talk about like that process of deciding to leave Pike's place, then telling people you were going to leave, setting an actual date, actually leaving? Like there's like it, it was a multi-month process. It wasn't just the decision. And can well, you tell sure. us about how like your your belief changed over that process? What's hilarious is in the beginning of 2020, I wanted to have a storefront at Pike Place Market. I was like, okay, I'm done with the day stalls, which is where you set up and take down every day. I want to have a 2020 or 2022. Sorry, 2022. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this year. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, I'm going to have a storefront. I applied for a storefront at Pike Place Market. I got the storefront. And in the span of applying for the storefront and getting it, which was maybe like five weeks, 
I did a lot of thinking about um, what I wanted my life to look like, if I wanted to be attached to a place or not. And I decided that I didn't want the storefront. So I got an acceptance email. You got the storefront. And I was like, nope, never mind. Sorry. (laughs) Don't want this. Um, But I think it took me applying for it to really realize like, wait, actually, that's not what I want for my life. And I had this realization that I was making some of my business decisions based on what I thought people would think of me. So like having a storefront in my brain made me look successful. Oh my gosh, look at Twyla. She has a jewelry business. She has a storefront. That's so badass. That's so amazing, right? Those weren't my voices. I did not want to be at a storefront six days a week, managing employees to make sure that it stays open because they have required hours. Like that is not what I want for my life. Um, but I was kind of making that decision from like the outward appearance of me and my business. So choosing not to take that actually was kind of a turning point for me and being like, oh, wait, this is literally just about me. Like I get to choose what I want to do here for my life. Um, and so then the decision slowly became, okay, I think actually I need to leave Pike place. Um, And it was a bit of an amorphous decision at that point. I didn't exactly know timeline. It's like, uh, maybe at the end of the summer, maybe at the end of the year, maybe I'll try at the end of the summer, but like, then if the sales aren't enough, I'll just come back for the end of the year because I can fall back on it. Right. Um, So the summer started, I was mulling this over. I know we had some coaching calls about it because I was like, I'm really scared to leave. I don't know. Um, do we want to get into the hundred K? Cause it, we kind will. Of it, it goes together. Go ahead. Okay. So as I was trying to make this decision to leave or not leave Pike place market, it was kind of like floating in the back of my head. It wasn't really solidified yet. Um, we, you had this goal for people in six figure saver to save a hundred thousand dollars. And it, I had maybe half of that saved already. And so we were having a call and I wanted to come up with a goal that would push me to save that, but felt bigger. It felt more momentous. Um, and so I came up with the goal to sell $100,000 instead of save $100,000. I think too, we did some math that because you had 50K yeah. saved already, you needed to save another 50 and then like based on like profit and all that stuff, you needed to sell like 50 or 100. to sell a hundred to have 50 to save. I, th- I think that I really needed to sell 70. I think that's what the mm. number was, but, but a hundred sounds better and was more, <laughs> than you know, and it's like, okay, why not a hundred? Um, and so this was while I was still at Pike place, while I was still like summers at Pike place are very busy. I was just working all the time. I had one employee there. Um, and So I made this goal to sell $100,000 in 55 days. And the 55 day, day, like amount of days was also kind of just a random one. It was based on the day I told everybody to the day that you had for your community to hit this saved $100,000 goal. Um, And so I set this goal. I talked about it everywhere in social media. I had some videos go viral around pricing your work around this, um, hundred K goal. I was pretty 
I was nervous about it. I was quite scared to post a video saying, hey, I'm amazing. Come buy my jewelry. I want to sell $100,000 in 55 days, right? Like <laughs> we were working on that belief and that mindset and the taking up of space and the like claiming something that you want that's a big goal, being salesy, right? Like asking people to buy your stuff, all of that. So anyways, as I was working on this 100K goal, the Pike leaving Pike Place was still in the back of my head. And um, I was working on the belief that I didn't need Pike Place Market to make the kind of money that I want to make. And that was a hard belief and it took a while. But as this 100K goal progressed over the 55 days, it became more and more believable that, oh, wait, like, yeah, some of these sales are coming from Pike Place Market, but I'm selling more online than I ever have before. And, oh, maybe this is possible. So as it got closer to the end of the summer, I made the decision that Labor Day weekend or Labor Day specifically would be my last day at Pike Place Market. And that was a good, like, 20 or 17 days, something like that before the end of the goal. And so I had a little bit of brain drama of like, oh my gosh, if I leave Peg Place Market and then I have 70, 17 days left to hit the goal, maybe I won't hit the goal because I don't have the income of Pike Place anymore, right? Still having brain drama. Um, But I was like, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to choose that this belief, like this is a good belief, right? It creates results I want. I want to go with it. I definitely want to leave Pike Place Market and to have a different lifestyle. Um, and so I did it. And by the time I left Pike Place, I was thrilled about it. It like wasn't a bunch of drama anymore. It wasn't a scare anymore. But it took multiple weeks of just kind of like processing that and thinking about it and um, practicing the belief in myself and my ability to sell online only Um to get me there to a place where I could then leave Pike Place and not feel so scared. What's interesting about this story, and if you're listening, I just want you to just take this away, <laughs> is you don't have the belief after you've done it. You have the belief before. Absolutely. And and it's a journey, right? Because like at the beginning, the, the belief is non-existent. It's like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can hit my goal and leave Pike Place. Maybe the listener is just working on saving hundred K. Like, I just don't believe I could save hundred K. You start there. You don't wait until you save hundred K to have the belief. You have to work on the belief in order to save the hundred K. Yeah. And it will, it's like a journey of building belief. And it's funny. Cause like it can start with, I like to start with just like opening the door. So, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I can leave Pike's place, Pike place and have online sales, enough online sales right. and opening the door by just saying, well, it's in the realm of possibility that maybe I could make online sales yeah. and then, okay, I think I can make X amount of online sales. And then you just slowly widen the door until the belief is like wide open. Right. But the process of building that belief is what gets you the result, yeah. not the other way around. Absolutely. And it's funny. Cause like, I remember I struggled with this a lot with my coach. I was like, I can't believe something until it's true. 
<laughs> like, I think that's like, if you're a logical person, <laughs> I think that is really Except- hard to grapple because it makes sense, right? Like, why would I believe something that's not true? And it's really about like redefining your definition of true. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I said, like opening the door. It's in the realm of possibility. That's true. That's also true. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's exactly what I did with a hundred K goal. Like that first day, like, okay, starting today, my goal is to sell a hundred thousand dollars in the next 55 days. Did I really believe that that was true? I was like, "Uh, uh, I don't know, (laughs) but I was like, is it possible? Yeah. Okay. It's possible. Is it going to happen? I have no fucking idea. I was like, um, who knows, but is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. And I just went from there. Right. And by the end, the last, it's so funny when I, cause I left Pike place market, I had like 17 days left. I, I don't remember the exact amount of sales, but it was maybe another like $30,000 in 17 days that I sold only online, only online more than I've ever sold, sold online before ever. And you did um, it. And I did it. And by the end, probably the last 15 days, maybe even the whole last 17 days from leaving Pike Place, my thought was, this is inevitable. Like, it's not even a question that I'm going to hit my goal. It's not, it's, it's a hundred percent in the realm of possibility. There's no like, oh, maybe, you know, it was just like, oh yeah, it's going to happen. And so my energy was like very excited and very committed to that. Um, and then I sold the hundred thousand dollars in 54 days, uh, one day early, <laughs> one day early. Um, and it was very emotional. Like I had a good cry and I filmed it for social media. <laughs> Hi, this is the reality of what it looks like. I just sold a hundred thousand dollars. Like, um, what an adventure. It was so fun. Yeah. It was fun to be your coach during that time. <laughs> we did a lot of belief work so much belief work and kind of what I didn't expect, although looking back, I'm not surprised is that so many people reached out to me and were like, I loved following along. I checked in every day to look at your sales number. And this was so inspiring. And I, I, of course, I mean, I see that, right? Like I like following people who are doing really big, inspiring things. Um, but I didn't really think of it that way in the beginning. And then I realized over time, I was like, oh, wow, that really opened up the door of possibility for a lot of other people, because sometimes we can't envision what might be possible for ourselves until we see somebody else doing something big. Um, And then we're like, wait a second, I can do something like that. Absolutely. I love that. I was, for everyone listening, Twyla had put in the, in her bio, in Instagram, her sales numbers. And it was like down to the penny. (laughs) And it was like updated every time she got a sale. I feel like she updated it. I was checking your page multiple times a day, especially towards the end. Like, Oh my God, what's it at now? What's it at now? In the beginning, in the beginning, I updated it like once a day at the end of the day. And then probably in the last 15 days, I updated every sale that I had. So like throughout the day, I was like, okay, update the Instagram bio. Okay. Right. Make another video, update the Instagram bio. And people are like refreshing my page to see what the number is at now. It was so fun. It was like, I can't wait. And as the audience member and coach, but looking through the audience member lens, it was like, when's she going to hit it? 
<laughs> we can't wait. We can't wait to like send the big celebration message. <laughs> yeah, That was so fun. So you hit 100K uh, sold in 54 yes. days. Yeah. And then you also saved $100,000. Yeah, I think that happens. That happened maybe 10 or 15 days before I hit the goal mm-hmm. is I saved a hundred thousand dollars in cash. Um, cause I had that original 45 or 50 or whatever it was. Um, and that, that felt amazing, but to be honest, the selling of a hundred thousand dollars felt a lot bigger because what it taught me is that I have the ability to make a lot of money mm-hmm. and that the saving is important. And I love that. And I want to save, but like being able to sell that much means that I can continue to save for the rest of my life. So that for me was like more important than the saving of it. What I'm curious about, I want to tie in what you had said earlier about you and your sister and how your reaction to your childhood is to be a spender and your sister's reaction is to be a saver. But now you also have saved a hundred thousand dollars. So I'm curious how, how, those two things live at the same time. How are, how did you become a hundred K saver while also being a self-proclaimed spender? (laughs) Um, I mean, I definitely have, there are two things that I think are really important. One is that I have, um, ongoing savings set up. So specifically within my business, I have a simple IRA it gets contributed to every month at the maximum amount. So that at the end of the year, I have, I think it's like 13,500 or something like that within the simple IRA that happens like behind the scenes in the background goes all the time. So every month that's going that way. And then I contribute to my, um, other IRA. Um, yeah, but we don't count retirement savings in your hundred K number. So none of that counts. How did you save a hundred thousand dollars extra cash? (laughs) You're totally right. Um, (laughs) Okay. I'm, so, and uh, the reason I'm asking this is I'm sure there's, there's so many of my clients who are right. like, I'm a spender. I don't want to be restrictive. Right. I hate budgeting. I like a lot of my clients also were like, I did that already. I grew up poor or like I was struggling in the beginning of my business. I already restricted enough for my whole life. I never want to restrict again. So I feel like you're a great example of, I, I do feel that I don't like restriction. Yeah, you all. don't like restriction <laughs> and you don't restrict. No. And yet you also right. saved a hundred thousand. Okay. So it was probably lump sum like saving, right? So like, um, I didn't talk about this, but on my birthday during this hundred K goal, I had a birthday sale and I turned 30. And so it was 30% off for 24 hours. And I had a lot of momentum and stuff behind it. Um, and I sold $20,000 in one day. So when I had like this hundred K goal, that $20,000 day, when that money goes into my bank account, And I look at, okay, how, like, what are the expenses coming out of my business? Make sure those are covered, put the rest in saving, not the rest, but like a good chunk in savings. So there were some, this is basically the cash flow waterfall that we teach in six figure saver. Yeah. Like have a buffer in your checking, move the rest of savings. Right. There were, there were some saving transfers that were like 20 grand, I think Mm -hmm. where I like, okay, there's enough in the checking account. We're putting 20 grand in savings. Um, I did it definitely more in my business than in my personal biz, uh, bank accounts. I did a little bit of that in my personal bank accounts, but I'm, I pay myself just a regular, like the same amount every month. Um, 
So there wasn't as much excess there, but where the excess was, was in the business because I made so much, I was able to just be like, okay, lump sum savings. Right. Um, and now it's fluctuated a little bit. Like, I don't think I'm up at hundred K in cash now, but that's because I'm normal coaching and things like, right. Like I hit hundred K it goes back down. And what's beautiful is I have no drama about it. Yeah. Like it's plenty of money. There's no problem. Although I did have drama about it. For a, a minute. <laughs> for a minute. I did have a little bit of drama about I it. I think now you, I you had a month where you paid out like $25,000 in coaching and you were like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. It was a little bit like, oh my gosh, I just saved a hundred grand and I just spent a quarter of it in one day mm-hmm. or one week or whatever. But um, yeah, the yeah. drama. I always say spending is a part of saving. That's like, that. there's no problem if you save hundred K and then it goes down. That's very normal. Right. I had a client who just had her first hundred K expense month. That's amazing. And oh she handled God. it like a champ. Right. To me, and it's that's like, like terrifying, right? Because that's not something I've worked up to. Right. And it's like always, there's always new levels. Oh, there's for sure. always new levels. So I want to ask you for, as a hundred K club member, official hundred K club member, <laughs> I want to ask, what is your best advice for entrepreneurs who also want to get into the 100K club? I mean, I think it's to save in lump sums like that, to realize that like, it's not, it's not the consistency of the little contributions to saving. Yes, those are good, but like, you're going to get there a lot faster, especially as an entrepreneur, but you're going to get there a lot faster if you can make a big chunk, calculate what you need to keep in the sa- in the checking account and then take the rest and put it in savings because those lump sums add up a lot faster. Absolutely. The way I teach it in Six Figure Saver is those monthly contributions should be small and they're actually only just so that you can start getting used to saving. That's the only nice. purpose of monthly savings is just to build the muscle if, if you don't, if you're not already a saver. And right. then the only other thing you need to do is lump sum. Yeah. It, it adds it up does really get, fast. It adds up really fast. It gets you there really quick, especially as entrepreneurs when, and especially when you realize I can create lump sums. Yeah. That's it's a good both. I can create the lump sum and then I can turn around and save it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's your best advice. What's your worst advice? <laughs> <laughs> I was someone, thinking about this question. Someone wants to get into the 100K club and- your worst advice for them. That's absolutely not going to get them there. (laughs) I mean, I was thinking about this and I was like, what am I supposed to say to people? What is my worst advice? That's not going to get them there. Like for me, the most important thing has been my, my thoughts. So if you're not working on your thoughts and your belief that you can get there, like you're not going to get there. That's really true. It's not a fun answer. It's not a fun answer. Like I, the amount of work that I've done on my thoughts in my brain in the last eight months is really amazing. Like that's a lot of people ask me, how am I doing the things I'm doing? Right. Because it's pretty amazing to watch me sell this much or save this much or whatever. And like, to be honest, I just do a lot of thought work and coaching. Like if you, if you took everything else away, yeah, obviously I know how to run a business and I know how to sell and there's all this stuff, but like when it comes down to it, it's thought work and coaching and just working on my brain and working on the beliefs that I hold and being willing to let go of beliefs that don't help me. Absolutely. 
I mean, when we started working together, I think we did a little bit of money systems just to like set a foundation. And then that was it. Right. We barely, we don't talk about it anymore. Right. And what's, what's interesting, right. is like my money systems are there, but they're not perfect. Yeah. They don't have to be. They don't have to be. It's not really related to that. Right. I'm not sure if that was worst advice. We kind of went back into best best advice. advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe then the worst advice is like, spend all your time focusing on the money systems and perfecting it. Oh yeah. I would say, um, don't spend time perfecting anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be honest, like done is much better than perfect. Perfect is really not helpful (laughs) when you're trying to get things done. I think that ties back into your thoughts about spending as well, because someone who may have a perfectionist tendency may never want to let their balance dip below hundred K ever again. Mm, yeah. And then I they want to hold on. Like I hit hundred K, I can't let it go back. Right. And that is also unhelpful. Right. I mean, I like the way that you describe savings and money in its uh, cityscape, not a stairway or something, right. Where it yeah. goes up and down, you see the buildings, right. Some are taller, some are shorter. Like it's the same thing when you're invested in the market, right. It goes up and down. It's not yeah. a problem. My yeah. savings are going to go up and down. Like it's okay. Yeah. The way I describe it is it's not a staircase. It's not uh-huh. like a every month you save the same amount of money until you get to the top of the staircase and which then you is, stay. When we talked about my business growth journey, which is what we were talking about. I was envisioning a staircase of like mm. every year I am a good business owner, whatever, a good entrepreneur. <laughs> if I, if I sell more every year and I was basing my value on that as opposed to it, like being okay to fluctuate and go up and down. It doesn't have anything to do with my worth as a human being. If I sell more or sell less in one year, it doesn't matter. It also doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you hit your goal. Correct. Like both in business, in the revenue and in savings. So like if you have a month where you spend 20 K that doesn't mean you still won't save a hundred. Right. If you have a year that you make less sales than last year, that doesn't mean your business won't serve your lifestyle. For sure. Or like, or you won't be able to buy your house or you won't be able to retire or whatever other financial goals you have. It's, it's like this, we do, we make consistency, which I hate that word. We Mm. make like the linear consistent path mean we are on our way to success versus I can have success no matter what. Exactly. Even in the down months, years, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we just recently talked about this in setting my goal for 2023. My goal, sales goal for 2023 is the same as what I sold last year and less than what I've sold this year. Yeah, It's like not a bigger goal, but we have focus on other things. And it's not that like, maybe I will sell more. Who knows? Right? Probably will. That's the thing. (laughs) There's a good chance I will, but like the goal doesn't have to grow every year. Um, I'm a lot more focused on like the profit and what my life looks like next year. Cause that's yeah. very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So thinking back to Twyla in an apartment in Istanbul, <laughs> learning how to make lace. I want you to like, if you were to travel back in time to that 19 year old oh and like say, Hey, by the way, you have a hundred grand in the bank. You have a fully stacked retirement and you have a multiple six-figure business. What is the response from the 19-year-old to that to that reality? I I think that my response at that age would have been a 
bit of disbelief, but also even if I hadn't worked on cultivating my belief in myself in that way, I think I knew a lot was possible for me. Yeah. Like, I think, I think I knew I could do really big things, even if I didn't have any idea of what or how, or how it would come about. Um, so I think I would be surprised specifically about like saving, saving that much and like having a really set retirement. Um, that would have been really amazing and shocking, but maybe not totally unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, you said something that I love, which is that version of you would be surprised on like, how did you say it? Not surprised or shocked, but you said something about like, you you wouldn't know how to get that. How did you say it? I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly the words that I said. <laughs> I, I had a lot of belief in myself. Yeah. This um, is what I was going to say. Yes. Okay. Your belief coming back into the present tense, you can have belief in a big goal. Yeah. And at the same time, not know how you're going to do it. Yeah. Like your 19 year old self had belief that you were capable of big things and yes. you had no idea how it was going to happen. Right. And the big, the big things at that point in time hadn't even been conceptualized. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know what big things I was capable of, but the fact that I started a business at 22 with nothing, making crocheted lace jewelry that to be honest, like I didn't even know how to make jewelry. I just had this like faith <laughs> in myself that I could figure it out. Right. Like, um, there's a, it's not, I think sometimes we think, oh, it's a little bit delusional to start something like that. And I'm not even sure if it's delusion. It, it's just like this massive, I don't know. You just know you can do it. Yeah. And I would have figured something out. Like I'm really good at figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that about myself, even if I didn't know the scope or even the direction of what was possible. And I want to say too, that that like big belief in yourself can be cultivated. It does. It's yeah. not just necessary. Sometimes it is something you're born with. Sometimes people right. just are naturally confident and right. also it can be cultivated. Right. So but like, go ahead. Actually in upbringing, while there was some scarcity around money, the cultivation of the belief in ourselves, both in my sister and my, from my parents was huge. Like the belief in ourselves to be creative, to do things, to come up with creative solutions. Like that cultivation growing up was probably one of the most important things that I was raised with is just that really I can do pretty much anything. What a big gift. Huge, huge gift. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure you can use that now looking forward at your next chapter of life, whatever wow. huge things that you're going to do that you don't even know what the goals are yet. Yeah. You can figure it out along the way. It's pretty exciting. It's mm -hmm. so exciting. Yeah. Okay. So I want to end our, our call, our recording, whatever it is <laughs> talking about what is next for you in terms of your coaching? What are you working on now? Because I think that there can be this misconception that, and this happens at every level. Yeah. Oh, you saved a hundred K you're good with money. Now it's done. Or, Oh, you made a hundred K in your, 
in a year in business. That means you're good at business now and it's done. Or, oh, you've made a million in business. That means you're good at business. It's done. Like we always have these like thresholds where we think it's going to be done and then it's not done. So, um, would love to hear what you are working on next in terms of your coaching around your mindset. What is the next thing? What is the next belief that you're working on? Yeah. Right now, um, I definitely had this belief directly after selling a hundred K like, oh, I did that once, but, <laughs> but can I do it again? See? Um, well, there's, that's, <laughs> kind of a, that's kind of a consistent thing. Right. And I'm not actively working on that right now. I do actually now believe that I can do it again, but I'm not actively working on that belief. Um, we were working a lot on um, thoughts around kind of like, productivity and focus. And, and instead of having a monetary goal, having a, a life goal, like during the holidays, working four hours a day and getting the things that I need done in my business and having it not be about the sales numbers. Um, and in doing that, I just forgot to think about sales numbers at all. Um, which is really interesting. It's like, oh, if I'm not focused on a sales goal, there's no sales goal at all. <laughs> um, so that was really interesting. Um, a big one right now for me is working on the belief that marketing is my main job and being excited about that. Um, I am, I started my business as a jeweler to be a jeweler. And what ha- I've learned over the years is that yes, the jewelry is important. It's very important. Obviously it's the product I sell. It needs to be good, et cetera. But like making jewelry and the physical making of jewelry is not my main job. Marketing is my main job. Um, And so I'm working a lot with that right now and being not just okay with that, but excited about that. Um, I'm not quite too excited yet, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Like, because I think that you probably have the self-trust at this point that the jewelry you make will be good. Yeah. Like I you're do. not going to let yourself release bad jewelry. No. So if that's true and you have that self-trust, then like we can just assume that's going to be set and then marketing is your main job. It is. Yeah, for sure. And that I'm- doesn't, that also doesn't mean it's the most amount of hours no. in the week. It may no. not be the most amount of hours, but it's the main job main job. I'm, I mean, I'm, that's a huge one for me is the correlation of hours to, um, financial gain, right? Like I definitely have spent almost eight years believing that the harder I work, the more money I make. And so unlearning that, and then coming up with a new belief of like, actually it can be really intentional focused time, but it doesn't have to be a lot of time to get the job done is, um, very new for me. And some days it goes really well. And some days it does not at all. And that's fine. Right. I'm cultivating it. I'm practicing it. That belief will, I'm practicing it ahead of time. Right. Like believing that I can work less and make more. Right. It's just like the hundred K like believing it before. For sure. I think that you have examples of times where you worked less and made more. I mean, my birthday sale, I took the whole day off on my birthday the amount of time that I worked was probably a total of an hour 
And all I did was I was hopping on social media and making reels of being excited because the sales were going so well. So I worked like one hour and sold $20,000 on my birthday, which um, if that doesn't prove it, I don't know what does. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. <laughs> but but like you said, when you're building a new belief, there are moments of lucidity, if you will, where you're like, yeah, no, I totally have evidence. I can totally believe that. But you're still a little wishy-washy, yeah. right? Yeah. And it comes back, like you can go back to, well, it's the holiday season. And right. last year I was working 14 hour days and I made X amount of money. And right. so I think as you build those beliefs, it's really natural to have, a, even if you have evidence for the belief that you want, you're still working on building it. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be constant. I'm still going to be working on building some belief in something forever. Right. And Isn't it fascinating though, how fast, like really how fast we can build new beliefs? So fast, so fast. I went in 55 days. I mean, when you, that's what, like a month, uh, not quite two months, not quite two Just months. Just under two months. Just under two months. I went from, is it within the realm of possibility to sell a hundred thousand dollars? Okay. Yeah, maybe. Right. I went from that to like, absolutely. It's inevitable that I'm going to sell $100,000 in 55 days. That shift, it was drastic. Maybe there's a meta thought in there, uh -huh. a, a meta belief that you can add to your belief bank or your belief arsenal, which is I'm good at building new beliefs. Ooh, I'm going to write that down. I love that. That's a good one, right? Because like, if you uh -oh. believe you're good at building new beliefs, that might help you as you're building a new one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Very meta. I love it. Yeah, I am. Yeah. A lot's changed in eight months um, in working another, on Another thing I've been noticing too about belief building in my own business is with some beliefs, we can get to a point of, we can call it a couple different things. We can call it completion. We can call the completion is the nice way to say it. The way I like to say it is when you get so sick of your own shit that you're like, you're just ready to give up the belief. Yeah. Um, and my coach has said before, it's time to retire that thought. Yeah. Like you just need to, at a certain point, you can just decide to be done with a belief. Yeah. Like the belief that I have been fighting all year is around launching and like launching sucks. That was my worst thought of the year. And I thought it a lot. Launching sucks. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I've thought that enough times that I'm done. Yeah. I feel complete. I feel like I don't need to ever think that again. And I'm ready to just retire that thought and move on. Yeah. So sometimes it's also not this big buildup. Sometimes it's just like a decision mm -hmm. and then like recommitting to that decision. I've had a belief around um, like working with coaches that I need somebody else to tell me what to do in my business. Um, and I have proven to myself over and over again that that's not the case. Like I've actually done the most amazing growth and work when yes, I've had a coach, but they're not telling me what to do in my business. They're just helping me with my mindset, right? You're not telling me what to do. Um, Sometimes I tell you what to do. Well, yeah. Okay, Very fair. rarely. <laughs> <laughs> but not in the same way of like, okay, we need to, I don't know what I'm not giving you like a funnel or like an ad strat. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's one, not two, three step process. Like I actually 
know what to do if I trust myself and, and let myself make those decisions. And then regardless of what happens when I make a decision, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Like if it goes well, or if it doesn't go well, right. Like it's not, um, yeah, it's, it's neutral, right. It makes it a lot faster to make decisions when I just trust myself. Also when you don't have to check with someone. Well, yeah, that also like even just logistically, if you felt the need to have to check in with someone about every decision, sure. Take forever. Yeah. Amazing. Belief so work. Love it. I love okay. it. It's really exciting. It is exciting. I'm um as your coach, I'm ready for you to be done with believing that more time equals more money. I'm ready. I'll say it on the record. Me I'm too. done coaching you on that. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> more I'll... time in my business does not equal more money. That is true. That is a objective fact at this point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I am so thrilled that you made it into the 100K Club and we have more work to do. So let's get back to work. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Gina. So oh, fun. how can people find you? Where yes, can people uh, buy your beautiful? I'm wearing all Twyla's jewelry today, by the way. Where can people buy your jewelry? My website is twyladill.com, T W Y L A D I L L, like pickle. Um, and then my Instagram is twyladill design. I'll have everything linked in our show notes as well. So if you guys want to go check out Twyla's work, you can do that. Her work is amazing and it only gets better. <laughs> I have some OG Twyla Dill designs. I bought a pair of earrings from Twyla in Istanbul. She visited me. I visit because Twyla and I have been friends since high school, by the way. We didn't even mention that. Didn't mention that. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I visited Twyla in Istanbul and bought a pair of earrings. OOG designs. And I'm like, those are gonna be worth millions one day. <laughs> I love it. When I'm famous. Actually, oh my gosh, that's a huge belief for me this coming year. Oh yeah. That I'm famous. Say more about that. Oh. Um it's kind of a new one for me. Um, I really want to be a jeweler that's not like worldwide famous. Everybody knows. I don't want to be Kate Spade. I don't want that kind of fame, but I want to be really well known. And I know that it's possible for me. And and I know that I have work that is distinctive and really stands out and is very much my own style um, and really has a place in like an opulent luxe um, you know, jewelry collection. Um, so I'm cultivating that, that belief that I can and will, and am famous, you know, I love it. Working yeah. on it ahead of time. Again, it's a, it's a new one. It's a new one. It's a, it's a bit uncomfortable. Um, but it's not uncomfortable in a bad way. It's uncomfortable in like, um, like, like, a butterfly that's about to emerge from its chrysalis or whatever you call it I don't it know it's a chrysalis it is it feels like it feels like um there's a lot possible and I'm about to kind of emerge into that possibility um but also feels a little bit like oh it's uncomfortable oh I don't know I don't know about this whole like wanting to be famous thing you know i Called bullshit because you're a Leo <laughs> and you love attention. <laughs> I am a Leo. I love attention. <laughs> it's I think I think that uncomfortable thing comes a bit more from like worrying about what people think of me, et cetera. Yeah. Um, 
because that's definitely something I've worked on and I'm not done working on is, is what are people thinking of me? Um, and so feeling uncomfortable is probably tied more to that than the thought of like wanting to be famous. Obviously I want to be well-known. Yeah. That makes total sense. Right. Yeah. I'm a Leo. I love attention. I definitely want attention on my jewelry. I'm going to make a lot more money and I have beautiful work to put into the world. So yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> Everyone go buy Twyla's jewelry. It's so beautiful. But if I don't know when we're going to, we're not going to put this until later. So go buy Twyla's jewelry and join me in my beautiful jewelry collection. I'm wearing the most beautiful ring stack. I don't think that so Anyways, good. I'm wearing the most beautiful ring stack and I love these pieces. So I'm just going to do shameless plug. I love they it. are opulent and beautiful and unique. And I get compliments all the time on them because no one that, has ever seen jewelry like this before. This is my main thing that I hear from people. I just wrote an email about it. I hear back from my customers all the time that they get compliments on their jewelry every time they wear it. Every time. And this is not just like on the big statement earrings. This is on the tiny little stud earrings that you'd think people aren't looking that closely at. No, people are getting compliments every time they wear them on the tiny little stud earrings as well. So amazing. You know, add that to your belief building about your fa famousness, famiosity. I don't know. We need to come up with some fabulous word. Famiosity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Twyla, thank you so much. That was so fun. That was very fun. Um, everyone else, tune into our next episode next week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.